Have you ever read the scripture that says that all things be done decently and in order? How many have read that? Let all things be done decently and in order. Uh, the, the word order came up earlier and, and, and uh, having things, you know, mapped out and then, then how the Lord spoke to her heart and said it's time to turn it loose and have some fun and be creative. And I like that. But the scripture does say, let all things be done decently and in order. What, what is the first three or four words there? Let what? Let what? Be what? So the first part of the verse is not about order. It's about letting all things be done. Seriously, think about it. But we have a tendency to read it and see decently in order. I don't like that verse. But I really like it. Because we let all things be done decently and in order. What kind of decently in order is that? Holy Ghost order. I said it again, Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. We don't speak in tongues, we speak in glossalia. I love it. So in letting all things be done decently in order, what if we really let all things be done? Do you know what chapter that's in? 1 Corinthians 14. Where it talks, in 1 Corinthians 12, talks about all the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about perfect love, where there's perfect freedom. Then it says this, after 1 Corinthians 12, at the end of the chapter, it says this interesting statement. It says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then it starts talking about love. So what's the more excellent way? Is it love? Or is the more excellent way Everything that's from First Corinthians, First Corinthians, have another drink. First Corinthians twelve. Everything that's spoken of there, then, because of love, you do everything through love. That's the more excellent way, and that is the decency and the order that is referred to in First Corinthians fourteen when it tells us of speaking in tongues. Isn't it interesting there? It says not to speak in tongues if there's an unbeliever among you and you speak in tongues. Um, uh, Will they not say you are mad? And so people use that to say we should not speak in tongues unless there's somebody that's going to interpret it. In the same chapter, (laughs) starting it out, it says, I would that you all spoke in tongues. So it's not talking about what is built into that as a doctrine which takes away freedom and puts you in a consciousness of having to do everything just right or you can't do it at all. And it brings people right back under 
operating according to the law instead of the order of the Spirit. Not only that, but there in 1 Corinthians 14, when it says, if you speak in tongues and there's one amongst you that is an unbeliever, will he not think you're mad? That's a question, not a statement. What if you said it this way? If you all speak in tongues, there's an unbeliever among you. Will he think you're mad? And the inference in the rest of the chapter and the teaching is no. Because Finica says this, for speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. So see how they've taken that chapter and turned it into legal bondage that keeps people from speaking in tongues out loud together as the congregation. Now, I base what I'm saying first and foremost upon the written word of God. Secondly, upon experience and the fruit of experience. You know, you know the truth by the fruit it produces. There's a lot of explanations about false prophets. I can sum it up in one little verse that Jesus gave. You will know them by their fruit. Do I hear an amen? Amen. He didn't say you know them by their doctrine. He didn't say you know them because they're so accurate. They can tell you your name, address, and phone number. That's a sign. It's a wonderful sign. Uh, Anybody heard of... John Edwards? Anybody seen the billboards around town? John Edwards? You haven't seen it? Big billboard. He's a psychic. One of the most notable in the world. And he's coming to our city. Yeah. Who said that? I like you. Come on, come on. He's coming to our city. Wouldn't it be something if he got here and he couldn't hear his familiar spirits. Stand up and prophesy, somebody. We got a house full of prophets. Go ahead. Give it. Jesus is flowing in the the river of the Holy Sacrament. The communion of the blood. Sacramental. And this river flows into Sacramento and in Sacramento another river joins it and gets dipped into the Sacramento River and it is called the American River. All prophetic signs. 
of what God wants to do in this region. I said, Lord, I wonder if people know about this. He said, tell them. Tell them he's coming. He used to have a program. Do you, anybody ever watch him on TV? He used to be on TV, and it was called Crossing Over Jordan. It was huge. It was huge. I watched him. The dude is incredibly detailed and accurate. <laughs> Demons know about people's past. <laughs> Familiar spirits, deceiving spirits know all about people's past. Holy Spirit knows about their past and their future. Demons predict future so they can bring it to pass. And if you believe them, they will bring your future to pass. But they will always do it through fear and never through faith. And fear is faith perverted. It's believing strongly in the wrong thing. So strongly it can happen. Wow. Come on. Wow. So tonight, John Edwards, I pray he has an encounter with all the angels that all the prophets, apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers, holy saints of God, those that have gone before us, every intercessor, that he will, we, we rally and call together like the winds of God. We prophesy to the wind and say, come a wind and blow around him. Come and bring to nothing the things that are. So that the things that are can become nothing. This is holy spiritual warfare. Now I want to say this about him, Father. I as a priest, anybody want to join me as a priest? Are we the holy priesthood? Are we under the apostle and high priest? I'll tell you when we're really going to see true apostolic ministry like we see in the Bible. When people realize apostolic ministry happens because of the apostle and high priestly ministry of Jesus. The high priestly ministry of Jesus, the high priest always took the blood into the Holy of Holies. Everything he did, he did through the blood. Every sacrifice, every offering, everything was blood, 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 blood. Aren't you glad you belong to a bloody religion? (laughs) The blood of the lamb, the eternal, significant, only cleansing. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus shed his blood for him. Anybody want to sprinkle Jonathan Edwards with the blood of Jesus? Everywhere he goes, the room he stays in, the hotel he comes to. Look for him on the billboards and start prophesying to it. And say, in the name of Jesus, we rally together to say, the spirits of darkness that work with him and move with him and go with him everywhere shall be brought to nothing by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I sprinkle him with the blood and ask if Jesus, you already forgave him 2,000 years ago. You already paid the price. Now we apply it. We, we declare it. It is true that he will have a witness that every time he turns around, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ will be right there in front of him. And he will not be able to come to this place and rally people to the realms of darkness. 
right. no rallying anyone to the realms of darkness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that everything that he does, it's a sign to me that the true prophetic anointing is designated in a new way for this city. That's what he told me. That's what the Lord said. I said, God, that guy's a false prophet. How do you know he's a false prophet? By his fruit. He doesn't exalt Jesus, doesn't preach the cross, doesn't preach the blood. He opposes all things that are of the Lord Jesus, has no fruit. The misery in the lives of people that submit to that, though they get a quick fix, and it seems so good to them. But a year or two later, sickness, disease, chaos, bad things happening. Their lives get cut short. The occult will take you into a short lifespan. I know the occult really well. I know a lot about it. The deep, dark things. And I know how wicked it is. And I know how they tremble at one, the most seemingly simple, insignificant believer that loves Jesus and believes and has the faith of a child makes those spirits of darkness that work with him tremble. They get confused. We speak confusion to them. The confusion cannot be released on the people. They will say, that didn't make sense. That guy, what's wrong with him? He just said, I had three brothers and an uncle named Mo. And I have three sisters and an aunt named Jojo. I mean, he just will not have it in Jesus' name. And if he seems to, it'll be to nothing. No, we do not allow him. And we thank our Father that the prophet Jesus is standing up in this city. How many believe Jesus is the prophet? He's the only prophet I want to hear coming through the lips of anybody. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're involved at all in astrology and you study astrology and look at it because of the month you were born and you follow astrological charts, I want to ask you to please consider that maybe you're looking in the wrong place for some direction and you could open yourself up to some difficulties. Now, I'm sure there's probably not anybody in here. This is not really for us who are here, but it is being recorded, and it will go to them who are out there. This is for them, not for us, because none of us surely would ever look at our astrological chart and read it and believe it's going to direct my day. Or would we? It's forbidden. Oh, that's under the law of Moses. Yeah, it sure is forbidden under the law of Moses, and God's holy law is righteous and pure and holy altogether. It's so holy, you can't keep it. But Christ in you can. Do I hear an amen? amen. And that's why Jesus came amen. and fulfilled the law and died and rose from the dead, ascended to God, sent his spirit, the spirit of Christ, to come dwell in us to give us the ability to fulfill everything that's in the law that is summed up in this world. Pure, simple first commandment. Hear, O Israel. 
the Lord your God is one. Were they talking that, did they say that because they didn't want you to think that God is a trinity? No, because there was no such teaching at that time in Christianity of a trinity. Because Christianity hadn't been born yet. That was written by Moses thousands of years before Christ came. And his first word was, it is the first great commandment, is the Lord your God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that true? Isn't that, isn't that the, the sum total of all the law and the prophets is bound up in these two commandments? What is the first commandment there? Listen, what is it? Some of you know because you've heard the teaching. What does the scripture say? Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one with you. And so he calls you Israel, which means a prince or a princess who is a champion. That's the full meaning of the Hebrew meaning of the word Israel. It's a little bit of my Judaism coming out. I'm, I'm Jewish. You know what I'm saying is true. Hebrew-speaking people know it's true. Here's the whole thing of it. The first word is here. That's the first commandment. How would you like to have a, a relationship with somebody and, and ask them to follow you around and do whatever you wanted, but there's no hearing involved? Uh, my wife and I are madly in love with each other. My Glenda is amazing. We love each other. But you know, if I don't take time to hear her, where do you think my marriage goes? Any, any married men in the house? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Just a little key for you. She wants to pour it out to you. She wants to get clear on you. She's sure your shoulders are wide enough for it. She may even personalize and make you feel like she's shooting you. But she's actually getting it out and, 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 and having to release it on her, the lover of her soul, so he can remit those things and roll them off of her and bear them to the Lord as a high priest would. And remit and forgive and release. But here's your secret. You've got to hear this. When she tells you the difficulty, don't try to fix it. Leave it alone. And hear. And then you become a prince and a champion. And then, then, you be, will be able to love her. She will be able to love you with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the key to every relationship. A relationship to Father. This is intimacy I'm talking about. Because everything we do comes from intimacy and then goes into intercession. All intercession is through the blood of the Lamb. The foundation. To hear. Relationships where people listen to each other are beautiful. 
when everybody's talking and it's all about me. I can't wait to hear myself tell you what all, I'm all about and what I love and what I like and what I don't like. And, and, and I just go on and on and on. Well, you're, you're gonna, you may listen for a while, but pretty soon you're going to have to say, you're going to say, oh, excuse me, I need to use the restroom. <laughs> it's, that's the wrong door. That's the front door. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't hear you. I have to get something. Here. <clears throat> Become intimate. See, the Lord created us to encounter us with all heaven affords. I'm talking everything. He will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly, up, for those who are inclining their heart up the spiral staircase, the edifice, the steeple, the DNA strand of God into his glorious nature and all that's in heaven was created by him for us he was self-sufficient he didn't need anything he had himself he didn't create heaven for him nor the earth nor the universe what is man that God is mindful of him Psalms 8 or the son of man that God visits him and he has made us a little lower than Elohim. It's the word angels is in King James or some translation. It's not the right translation. It means gods. He's made us a little lower than the Godhead. And he's crowned us with glory. Adam and Eve walked with the glory shroud, beautiful garments of glory. Until they fell and then suddenly, I'm naked. Then they tried to hide behind fig leaves. We still try to hide behind fig leaves. Are you with me? Lord wanted me to talk to you tonight about this loving relationship why we do the things we do, what our foundations are. I'm talking, when I say we, I'm not talking about eagle's nest. I'm talking about we, the people of God. We and the family. That intimate relationship with Father through Jesus. Now I'm going to say a controversial statement that some people don't believe that are Christians. If it's not through Jesus, you can't get to the Father for a relationship. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, you go argue with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. If that's not true, then he probably lied everywhere. Anybody here want to say Jesus is a liar? Could I have said that nicer? Probably. <laughs> the gifts of the Spirit, the release of the things of the Spirit, every encounter, anything we seek, ministry, <laughs> marriage, 
Anytime we want to clear up our motives. Everybody here would like to have more money. All of us here want to manage, control our lives. Right? All of those things, when brought into the capsule of love and swallowed as a pill, a gospel, goes into your innermost being and fills your whole being with the substance of that food, that manna from heaven, that bread of life. Oh my goodness, there's nothing like his presence. How many love the presence of God? Do you know if you stay in the presence and get in the presence enough, when you walk out of his presence everywhere you go, people, whoa. Because it will build into what is known as the anointing. The presence is for you to experience him personally. But if you experience him enough and look to him enough, and believe everything he says enough. By the way, believing is a choice. The only way he tries to convince us of his love is by loving us. The scripture is not to convince us that God's true. The scripture is actually to be a revelation of Jesus. You seek the scriptures thinking in them you're going to find eternal life. He said to the religious leaders of the day when he walked the earth. And he said, and these same scriptures, they speak of me. He is the word made flesh. What is man that you're mindful of? The son of man that you're visiting, you made him a little lower than Elohim. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and the beasts of the field. Over the sun. Whoa. Now we're talking solar system stuff. And the moon. And the stars. Now we're talking galaxy and universe of galaxies. He gave us dominion over all of these things. What are we that you would be mindful of us? You did all these things and created them all. How many just like to have a little bit of authority over your checkbook? (laughs) How about your physical body? Would anybody really like to have control over your physical body? You know, it it puts out some pretty strong demands at times. I mean, raging! (laughs) Exactly. And there's a whole list. The thing of it is, we have dominion over it through Jesus but not through our own strength. And if it's all in him, 
Wouldn't it be pretty wise if we kind of could hear, oh, Israel? So then we could be Israel, and then we could know we are, that the Lord our God is one with us, and we could actually, because we've heard his voice, be in love with him. But if you don't hear his voice, you won't be in love. Well, there's another way. I can figure it out. No, there's no other way. It's about relationship. And who would want another way when you have but one whisper from his lips? You're ruined. Everything else pales in comparison. <laughs> oh, the peace, the joy, and the righteousness of the kingdom of God flood your soul. The more you hear his voice, the wells go deep. You pray in tongues to draw out of the wells of salvation. The more you pray in tongues, the more you're drawing out. It's called praying in the spirit because it's spirit, spirit talk. We just had somebody in our home and did a little meeting at Tim, Tim's house back there in the back row, sitting there grinning all in another world. <laughs> Probably seeing visions of glory. And we had a meeting there and we were talking and I, I, I met him when he first had just gotten born again and I put hands on him and prophesied to him and, and uh, prophesied the spirit and the fire of Elijah and spoke tongues over him. Everybody in the circle started praying in tongues and he got blasted. And so then for the next seven years, he prayed in tongues six, eight hours a day. And he tells the stories of the things that happened. How many want encounters? How many love to see the throne of God and angels? All the different ranks of angels. You know, we only mention two or three, but there's a myriads of them that we're, we don't, we're not aware of. We don't really know much about angelology. <laughs> we have Brazilians here tonight. Ha they have visitations of angels and there's a sensitivity. God has touched the nation of Brazil and the Brazilian people, even Brazilians in America. And, and if they have this kind of worship that's angelic and heavenly yes. and glorious. The angel realm. How many like to see angels? I can give you the key to all encounters in one word. Never seek an encounter with anything or anyone before you seek an encounter with who? Jesus. 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 Never interpret a dream 
because you know symbols and you figure it out in your mind without going to Jesus and asking him to show you where he was at in your dream because he's there. And he's even in your nightmares. He never leaves you. Not even in your dreams. He's somewhere. And he comes in a mystery and he hides. Because secret things belong to the Lord, but the things which are revealed belong unto his children and unto them that love him. That they may know them. It's the honor of a king to seek out a mystery. Those with kingly nature want to steward their kingdom well. I've had so many encounters. Today I was going through my notes on encounters. I'm going to start an encounter. When is it? January, an encounter class. We're starting four classes in January, correct? All of them are going to be highly anointed and focused on the things that we are called to and what is our charge in life. Intimacy, intercession, worship, word of the Lord. Word of the Lord. Word of the Lord. We're actually initiating World War III and we want to have an army. We, meaning father and sons, Jesus wants an army. So I just told you what it is. It's World War III. W-W-I-I-I. Worship, word of the Lord. Intimacy, intercession. Invasion for souls. Anybody want to be in that army? Yes. Everything we teach and preach, we, we, we seek God, we cry out to God, don't we? To get in his presence, don't we? We long his presence, don't we? Of course we do. Because we know we can't do anything apart from him. And we're not apart from him. He's in us, but we don't just take for granted because he's in me. I can just uh, pop him up anytime I want to. Okay, done with you now. You can go back and I can go back to my way. Ooh. He's not a jack-in-the-box. Is he? Come on, you know he's not. Who wants to have a relationship with somebody the only time that they want to talk to you is when they need something? Anybody have a, any, ever had a relationship like that? And you went, man, this kind of like really a dead end. <laughs> well, it's not really if you're long-suffering patient enough. And if you're kind enough and you forgive them enough and you keep loving them enough, you'll eventually... See the reward of the relationship, which will not be about you. It's never, the reward is never, it's all about me getting mine. It's about us. It's about the union that takes place. And in the union, the Lord appears. It's a threefold cord that cannot be broken. It's about him in the midst of everything. And he'll be there because he came and paid the price on the cross. 
because he loved us enough to die for us. Anybody want some of that love? How many stand up and say, I want some dying love. Right now, I'm committing 100% to martyrdom. You might as well commit to it. Might as well. Okay, the Lord's seeing you. I wasn't really, that really wasn't uh, planned on, but God sees you. This is beautiful. See, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire so that you can be his what? Say it loud. Witnesses. You know what the Greek word for witness is there? Martyr. It's the Greek word martus. It literally means that you get so full of the Holy Spirit that your self-life no longer has preeminence. It is so overwhelmed by the love of God that it becomes neutered. Neutered. Sorry about that. It becomes neutered. It becomes inactive, dead, through the power of the Spirit. Sorry, I'm just human being too, you know. That was funny. (laughs) Martyr. We can't take up the cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus without the power of the Spirit. Can we? So this is every time you've sensed anything that's difficult, the best thing to do is stop and drop. It really is. Just start praying in tongues. Hold on a minute. I'll let you know in a second. Utter dependence upon the Lord. Well, why pray in tongues? Because he who speaks or she who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men, but they are speaking unto God and they are speaking his mysteries. The word mystery is the word secrets. He's telling you his secrets about the matter. And every matter has a secret. And if you find the secret, you found the key. Somebody shout victory to God. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, now you're just hyping us. Yeah, I know. Isn't it fun? You can be seated. Oh, we don't want any hype. Oh, give me a break. It's like saying I never judge. I don't believe in judging. And then everybody you meet, you're going to size them and measure them and figure out if you want to walk with them, talk with them, be with them or not. And you will make a judgment and you will either join to them or walk away from them. And you've just judged them. Why? Because you're supposed to. Because you're not supposed to join to every single person as closely as you can. Why not? Because we're the body of Christ and different bones belong in different places. And I love my little toe bone, but it's not connected to my nose. (laughs) But it's still in the body. That is the decency and in order of God where he places things in the body as it pleases him.
The name of our ministry here is Eagle's Nest. We're not an extension of Bethel. We're an extension of Jesus. Please hear me. There's a Catholic church here. We're not an extension of them. We're an extension of Jesus. There's a Presbyterian church here. There's Methodists here. There's Pentecostals, other Charismatics. There's Christ the King and, and Church of the Redeemed. We're, we're, we're not an offspring, an offshoot of them. We're an offspring of the kingdom of God, Amen. of the kingdom of heaven, and not an offshoot, but a growth too. Yes. We're a part of, and therefore, because of that, please hear where I'm going. You've got to get this, because Bethel is so big, and I love Bethel, and that's where I go to church, but I am not making my decisions in life based upon what's happening at Bethel. I'm making my decisions based on what's happening in heaven on the throne of grace with Jesus Christ. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Why are you saying that? Because there's only one church in this city. And none of them have man's label on them. And they all have the label of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the church of Jesus Christ. And his people are in every congregation. And in every congregation there are false believers. There are weak believers. There's wounded and hurting believers. There's loving and strong believers. There's believers that are on fire today and in the pit tomorrow in every church. And all of us are all of the above that I just spoke at some time in our walk. And we need each other. And God loves his church. Now I'm preaching. Now the passion, the burning of my soul to see the body of Christ come together. Listen to me. America's in trouble. And the only answer for it is the church of the living God. The church. You look mad. Just intense. I'm actually very happy. But there's barriers to what I'm saying and walls and belief systems. You need to talk as much as you can like this group because that's the group you're of. You need to walk a certain way. What's their doctrine? What's your doctrine? What's your do- I studied all of them. I got something out of all of them. I've ministered in Catholic churches. You know what I've done? I've gone and ministered in New Age churches. So did John G. Lake. That's where he had some of his greatest miracles. I learned it from him. It's his fault. He taught me. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? You ever heard of unity churches? You know what they are? World Church of Tomorrow. I've gone into churches and stood up in churches that didn't even believe Jesus Christ was God. And I stood up and prophesied with all loud. Hey, the Spirit of the Lord says unto you, I have loved all of you. My son has shed his blood for you. And I prophesied they'd come running over and and come over and say, and the minute they would come over and touch me and say, what do you do? I go, oh, okay. And let him escort me out. Hmm. 
I said, thank you. I love you. I didn't fight him. Why did I do it? The Lord told me to. Do you know he doesn't send people to do that real often? I've had them tell me to wait outside. The leaders want to come see me. They've taken me in the back room before it's over. I've had all of them realizing they really love Jesus Christ. And I've seen them born again and everything else. I've also been threatened to be thrown in jail. Uh, my generation, and when we came into this whole thing of the prophets and everything, we didn't know what we was doing, so we just went crazy. We just read the Bible and said, Yay, thou saith the Lord. That sounds good to me. Let's go do it. Made a lot of mistakes. Learned a lot. Bore a lot of fruit. Because the heart's right. When it wasn't, he would convict me, and I'd be in repentance. And sometimes my heart wasn't right. Want to hear one more story? Yeah. Okay. Big Baptist church in the city where I used to live. I'm riding down the street with a guy that I could name that all of you would know. He was a real good friend. This was many years ago. Uh, we were known as prophetic in the region and prophets, and pro nobody even believed in them back then. And a lot of people called us false prophets. His name was Larry Randolph. We're driving down the street. He's driving. And I said, pull over that church there. He said, what for? I said, just pull over there. I, I, you know, I, 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 need to, I need to stop there. The Lord said, told me, he said, I'm going to give you a word for that church and for the leaders. So we're driving down the street. I've been praying about this thing for about six months, wanting to know how to do it and when to do it and where to do it. So this day, it just comes on me. I just, my heart starts pounding. I'm thinking about the immorality that's going there, what's happened to the women, what the leaders have done and how they know about it. He's revealed it all to me in dreams and visions, and it's very accurate. And it really proved out to be very accurate. And so I was, I, I, the more I prayed about it and heard the stories of what was going on when I went and checked on it and asked a couple of their leaders and they didn't want to tell me and I gave them words of knowledge and they said, well, you can't know that. This is the, only so-and-so knows this. And, and I, I became angry. I was angry in my heart at them. Wicked, vile hypocrites. Woe unto them. That's what I felt like. And, and I'm holding it off and praying and interceding. And this day, I just thought, it's time. And Larry pulled over, and I got out of the car, walked around the back of the car, walked over and stood in front of the steps. I'm looking at my watch. I know they're just about to let out. They let out. The people start coming out. They start stepping off the steps. And the Pretty soon the deacons come out and then the pastor and he's shaking people's hands and the crowds are all milling around. Nobody's getting in their car, but not very many in there. They're talking. And I, yay, the Lord says to thee. That's King James Version too, I'm telling you. That's all we had then. <laughs> Except today's living Bible and that was a devil Bible. 
because it changed everything. <laughs> and I prophesied, you wicked, vile hypocrite, your leadership shall fall. Your immorality and the using of these women, my precious daughters, says the Lord. And they must repent and you must repent and I will scatter this flock because of your wickedness. And I finished saying it. Yea, thus saith the Lord. Turn around, walk back to my car, got in the car. Larry, Larry, he's opened the door. And he's got his feet out of the door sitting like this, listening to me. And I come walking back right at him and he goes, what did you do? And I said, word of the Lord, man. And he said, man, I hope so. <laughs> Get in the car. He jumps in. I jump in the car. <laughs> we take off out of it. <laughs> that was about 1978. Might have been 77 or 70. No, it was 78 because I, yeah. I'd been married about a year. Poor wife. So, I get a call that, I, that there's two of the deacons in the church that want to meet with me. And I go, and they're falling apart. They're crying. How could you do this? And I said, it's true, isn't it? Yes, how did you know? Because I said the details. How did you know it? And I said, the Lord showed it to me in visions. I've been interceding for your church for at least six months. I said, I've cried over your church and prayed for your sins and asked God's forgiveness. But instead of repenting, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And they said, it's true. And we're actually in the process of removing the pastor. But he won't leave. I said, he will now. So will everybody else. And they said, yeah. And I said, it's because you let it go on so long that it's going to break the church up. They were really hurt. And they were angry at me. And they said, you are going to reap a whirlwind for what you've done. The way you have judged is the way you'll be judged. I said, no, I won't. I will not. So I birthed the church. I'm starting this church. I have this church. We have an evangelist. He goes on a tour, goes to some prisons, comes back with reports of hundreds of people being saved in the prisons and miracles and signs and wonders. We advertise it, and he gets up and preaches and tells the story. People come. Our building's packed out. We start having meetings every day. A revival breaks out. I'm saying, what is this gnawing feeling in me, God, that's wrong? And he said, he's, exa he's exaggerated. I said, that's not God. That's, I rebuke that. And I keep hearing it inside of me. No, that couldn't, that's not. Lord, why would I feel that way? And it's real deep and real silent and calm. It's real caring and loving when he's telling me this. And I'm thinking, it's only me. Everybody say, it's only me. Oh, that's only me. How many times have you said that? 
Now, this is a really good lesson for tonight. I'm going to finish up. So we're having this revival. One night, this man walks in the door, and behind him is four or five women. They're, I can tell by looking at them, they're, these are holy women. They intercede and they pray. And he's from that church, and he's known as their prophetic-like kind of guy in the church, but Baptist church don't believe in that. But he, he's, and he's also charismatic, but has gifts. But he doesn't speak in tongues. And he comes to some of our meetings and stuff, and he comes in. And pretty soon, I see them lean over and talk to each other, and then he's handed some papers. And I'm, I, I'm up there preaching, and I stop preaching, and I introduce somebody to come make some announcements. He gets up, walks up there, walks behind the pulpit, lays this paper down, and begins to read a charge against our evangelist. And, and says, this is a letter from such and such, um, the chaplain of the prison of this church in Nebraska. And in calling and making a report of these miracles that took place and these salvations, this, uh, I still know the, I still know his name. I won't mention, I still know his name to this day, this chaplain. And this chaplain says these things did not happen. There was a few people saved and he had some good meetings, but just little handfuls of people and they enjoyed his presence and who he was. He seemed like a good man. And then they have another paper from another prison or another. And none of the miracles are there. And they all refute miracles and the salvations of hundreds of people. And it's right there in front of me. And he starts reading this. And he gets done reading the first part. And I, I'm in shock. And I go, oh, my God. i got to stop him. He has never been to any of us. Neither has he been to him. That's not Matthew 18. You can never restore anybody or anything by the reasonings of man. And in any broken relationship, if you will follow the patterns of Jesus, you will get the same results. And Jesus tells us how to do it. And if we won't submit to that, then we cannot expect the blessing of God because we will not enter into forgiveness. The forgiveness of the blood of Jesus is based on what he did at the cross. And it must enter into every single action we do in reconciliation with souls, winning them back to Jesus. We cannot preach a gospel without the blood. And we cannot preach a gospel without telling people Jesus died on the cross. You can't just make people believe in Jesus and confess Jesus and leave out the cross and have the true gospel and a true anointing coming and a true revelation of Jesus. It's impossible. And it's happening all over America and around the world and it's another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel that will lead to gross deception every place they do it. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus. Paul said there would be another Jesus and that false messiahs would come and that when many would say, lo, here is Christ and there is Christ, we should not be deceived. The word of God, the Bible, is the holy writ and it must be the final authority in our lives. If we don't have that as the final authority, what is your authority written on? And what's it based on? Because Jesus himself, when he fought the enemy in the wilderness, replied and conquered him three times in three temptations with, it is 
written. It is time to get back to the Word of God doing it. Jesus is the Word made flesh. This is the true apostolic order. The true message of the apostle and high priest Jesus and the true apostles of the New Testament. And they would never preach a message without the cross and without Jesus and without the shed blood of the Lamb. It's all we have in every situation where we need forgiveness. It's the blood plus nothing but your faith in it. How's that for good preaching? It's the truth. Jesus is the truth. His ways, the word is the truth. We have no other message. All other messages are deceptive. They will create false believers that will be deceived and believe many false things. They'll be taken away if their foundation isn't sure. The house will be built on sand. And the flood will come to every house. But that which is built on the rock does not even shake. Luke 6, 46 through 49. The pathway to knowing it is these three things. They that come to me, Jesus, hear my sayings, can do them. But those that hear, do nothing. Hear the preacher, hear somebody else, hear the tape, hear the radio. It's all wonderful. You need that. We need helps. We need the body of Christ. We need to minister. But you must hear the voice of Jesus in everything that you're listening for. Listen for Jesus. Look for Jesus. He's everywhere speaking. Learn to hear his voice. You'll never fail. When you seem like you fail, that failure will be the removing of something lesser than what he really wants to bring you into and give you the, him the ability to give you the greater. Every time. You want faith? These things build faith in you, real faith. God's kind of faith. The faith that doesn't fail. It doesn't fizzle. It doesn't fail in the fight because it's founded on fellowship with the Father. Come on, anybody want to shout with me? Jesus. The way, the truth, the life. And so, I jump up and stop this man. I jump up and stop the man. I say, wait a minute. Have you been to him with this letter? He said, no. I said, have you been to me? I'm his pastor. He said, no. I said, you're out of order. Jesus said, and I had my Bible, I popped it open, and I said, this is what Jesus said, and if you haven't been to your brother, you don't have a right to go talk to anybody else about it. And if you do, you're violating the divine order. Let all things be done, but let's have some decently in order. Why is it decent and in order? Because it was delivered by the Holy Spirit. These words were delivered. These words are inspired by God. God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired means God breathed. I mean, the prophets, they, oh God, they worshiped God and then wrote. Inspired things. 
So, I said, leave your charges here. I will consider them. But first of all, you must meet with him and tell him these things. And, he, and, he, and this guy, he says, I am not stopping. God told me to come here and do it. I said, yeah, God told me to go and stand in front of your church and prophesy and obeyed it too. And I went, oh my God, look what's happened. I did it wrong. And suddenly I've stood guilty and convicted of prophesying to that church judgments. And I had never been to the pastor or the deacons. I had not done one thing right. But intercede and pray. And it caused pain. So the evangelist stood up and said, the things I said, I'm standing by. I don't need to meet with him. He's already met with me here. I consider this our meeting. And I say, I'm not guilty. And I said, why did these things say this? He said, I don't know. I don't know that they got those from who they say they did. To me, this is a conspiracy. And he stood his ground. And I said, you're my friend and my brother. I'm going to stand with you because the way you did this is so wrong. And, and the crowd stood up and cheered and shouted and said, yes. And the meeting was awesome. And we continued. And the, the, he didn't preach. He said, I'm not going to preach tonight. This has kind of got me rattled. And I preached and we dismissed and everybody went home. We came back the next night. Ten people showed up. It went across the city. It killed the church. Yes, it, it killed a revival. And the one, <laughs> I stood by him. My leaders came to me and said, are you going to stand by this? Or are you going to check up on it? I said, I want you to go check on it. I want you to make the calls. They went and made calls and tried to reach the, they couldn't reach any of the people that said it was false. Mm. I'm saying, God, what's going on here? The thing is blown up. How could this happen unless something's going on? And I was miserable and broken because of it. And so you know what happened? The church died. And so I told what people was left. I went and looked at another part of town and found a different building and went over there and started another work. I ministered there in that building for a short season and it wasn't the right place. And I took it to my home. We had about 80 people show up and started doing a home meeting. The Lord spoke to me and sent me to another state. And I moved to Wyoming. And we had national, I mean, a four, three state revival breakout where I, when I got there. And, and I've seen revivals like that for many years. I'm right now waiting on the biggest revival in history. There's people in this room, you're called to agree and work with God and he will make it happen. It's going to happen right here in this city. Do I hear an amen? Well, we've got good things going on in this city. The whole world is paying attention to what's going on in Reading. It's wonderful what God's doing here. It's about to go to a whole new place. And I'm talking an awakening. I'm talking a passion for the word. I'm talking freedom.
I'm talking souls turning to the Lord. Crime is going to be brought to nothing. Poverty is going to be removed. Anybody believe that? Yes. I'm believing God for America to be saved. We're seeing some bad stuff in America right now. Boy, could I preach on that, but I won't. I mean, you can turn on your TV, they tell you all about it. From their political persuasion. But our nation needs a revival. I'm believing for it. I'm believing God's raising up an army right here. Right here tonight, right here. I believe he brought you here for you to kiss the sun. So I get up to Wyoming. I'm preaching in this church. I, I'm, I'm, they asked me to pastor this church. I, the Lord actually spoke to me and said, go up here to this church in this town. And when you get there, they're going to give you the church. And I called people that I knew up in that area and asked them, they said, yeah, there's a church here. It's got, it's got that name. I asked him if that's the pastor's name. The Lord told me his actual name. I'd never met him, didn't know him. He said, yeah, that's him. He's left here. There's this congregation. There's no pastor. And I said, well, I'm on my way there. We already rented the truck. We're taking care of everything and we're moving there. That's the way we did things. We went there, broke out in revival. Glorious things happen. Young man's on the front row. He gets saved. Or he gets come back to the Lord and gets really encouraged. He asked if he could meet with me. We're in the office. He said, I just can't. He said, I just moved here from Nebraska. Did you hear me say Nebraska before? I said, really, what were you doing there? And he said, oh, I was in prison there. Do you guys know God is so incredible? And I said, was the name of the was the name of the, the chaplain so-and-so? And he said, yeah, do you know him? And I said, I know of him. And he said, I can call there and you can talk to him. I said, before I do that, I want to ask you a question. Were you there at this certain time? He said, yeah, that's why I was there. I said, did you ever meet this, and I'm not going to describe him because I don't want to expose him, person. And I described him. He said, oh, yeah, everybody remembers him. I said, why? And he said, because he got so, he got so many people saved. I said, how many get saved? And he said, oh, man, he, he got about 60 people saved in one day. Well, I'd heard 600. I said, it was there miracles? And he said, he prayed for the sick, and there might have been a couple of people had something happen. They said they felt better and stuff. I said, did a man that had his arm cut off and had a false arm, did he take it off and an arm grew out? That was one of the miracles. He said, oh, no, there's no I would never forget something like that. And I said, can we call? I almost said his name. I still remember his name, the chaplain. He said, yes. Yeah. So we called him. I asked him about it. He said, oh, no. He said, I really loved, and I won't name the man, him. He's a good evangelist. He came here. He was well-behaved. He really had love for prisoners and all that. I asked him, did these things happen? He said, no. He said, you're the second one that's asked me about that. 
some people called me and said they'd been reported that these things had happened, and I had to write a document and send it to them saying, no, this did not happen. It has the seal of the prison. And I guess what? I had that letter in my records. And I said, I've got it here. And I hung up the phone, and I knew the truth now. The Lord was so kind to me that he let me find out the truth. Why the whole story? It is full of lessons about the prophetic ministry. The people of God today that are going to come into the anointing of what's going to happen is going to be able to move in words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning <clears throat> spirits, power anointings from an anointing the church has never yet received in mass. And it will be the spirit, not Pentecost. Pentecost is a down payment. It's called the earnest of our inheritance. When you receive baptism in the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, it's an earnest. It's an earnest payment. It's a down payment. The anointing that's coming is the spirit without measure. Or we're going to burn the mortgage. All debt. Please hear what I'm saying. All spiritual, the lack of anointing for the greater works company. The same works that I do will you do in greater works will you do, Jesus said. There's a people, a greater works people right now that's being prepared. Now. Those that hear God will have that anointing. Well, I just believe it'll come by grace. Of course it will. How many here are saved by grace? Aren't you glad you're saved by grace? Oh, I love grace. I mean, I'm a grace man all the way. If it isn't grace, no, thank you. I'm saved by grace through Faith. Everybody say through faith. Through faith. faith without works is dead. Prayer is work. Intimacy is work. It's a work of love. It's a labor of love. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes study. It takes being a disciple. It takes knowing the truth, and the truth will make you free. Anybody want to shout with me? All these wonderful stories and everything I've just told you, don't you just feel like jumping up and shouting and running around the building? I gave you all of the keys to walk in greater anointing, and you get to do it. You don't have to do it. Nobody here has to go do anything to know God. You get to. You get to meet with God. You get to give him your time. You get to give him your love. You get to give him your money. Mm 